the VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 681, recorded on April 14th, 2023. Welcome to the 681st edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 514th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I'm TJ Denser. I'm Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. So, um, we've had a bit of a delay. So we're just going to start right off. Scott, what have you been playing? Uh, I'm almost done with Octopack Traveler 2. I've done everybody's... Uh, story arc and I've done all the side quests and all the crossed paths which is interesting they have little missions with each other to go do stuff so they you know had a more interactive story than the first game and now I'm just doing the extra stories which uh, leads up to the final confrontation with the uh, end boss of the game and then I'll be done with uh, Octopath uh, so TJ you've been playing Octopath Traveler 2 as well yeah, but I'm not nearly as far. I uh, I just finished collecting all eight characters, and uh, and I'm starting to move on to their second chapters now. That's awesome. It tickles me pink that Oswald and Particio have a thing because they're like the polar opposites of each other. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, I have been uh, they they put out the new mercenaries mode for uh, Resident Evil 4 remake, so of course I went right into playing that. Uh, because if you S rank at every stage with a single character, you get a you get a new weapon, and uh, and also like they they put in some surprises this time around. This is the first time they made Louise playable, which is the first time that they've ever made Louise playable, as far as I know. And uh, he's fun. Um, the whole thing is fun. I uh, I like the I like that they brought Hunk back, and uh, and it looks like they're gonna probably add some stuff to this mercenaries mode further down the line so that ought to be fun um uh, we should talk about um did we talk about this at all let me, do we have this in the podcast notes i'm not sure what is it uh no we don't um well uh what there's one big da- oh yeah we actually do we'll be talking about it <laughs> uh something we're talking about is that uh, there's microtransactions which you pay for tickets yeah yes I have thoughts on it. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well give those thoughts now. So there in the game, like you, uh, if you get 30 spinal jewels, you can trade them for a ticket that lets you automatically max out a weapon. And, uh, and then Capcom went ahead and like, after the game launched, put uh, some microtransactions up that let you buy these uh, tickets um, with real money instead of actually playing through the game. On one side, that's kind of skeezy to do it after the game launched. On the other side, I get you don't really you don't have to buy them. Like it's it's an item that you can get in the game if you work hard enough. Of course, you don't need to buy them. You can grind like everyone else. Right. The only thing I can think of that I would buy one of these tickets with real money for is if I bought Resident Evil 4 on another console and I didn't feel like going through the grind to unlock the highest tiers of the weapons. 
in that case, I, that having a shortcut like that sounds nice. Otherwise, I don't know. I realize it's the same shit that they did with Dead Space 3, right? Well, yeah, not, with the, not with not, the nodes uh, yeah. where you could buy the, the where they had buyable uh, upgrade nodes. Yeah. This is also what they did with Diablo 3 now to come to think about it before they shut down the real uh, the real money uh, auction house. Yeah, but it, it it seems more devious in a game like Diablo where where multiplayer is a constant. It doesn't seem devious in Re- Resident Evil 4. When the fuck did they ever have an auction house? <laughs> because the only thing you're affecting if you spend real money on one of these tickets is yourself. Uh, it's a ballot for them to do more skeevy shit. Yeah. Just wait until just wait until they try and include uh um you know uh bitcoins and and uh, into Resident Evil 4. I think it's more devious to have that stuff in a multiplayer game because of how it affects the economy and how and basically you, then you have basically buying your way to a, a a leveled up character. Whereas in a single player game, the only thing the only person you're affecting is yourself. This was Square Enix and not Capcom. You know they would go the full five yards on this. Sure. Um, and the, and I mean they have, haven't they? Because like the whole the whole housing market of Final Fantasy fourteen is a thing. Oh, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I, I'm saying, but if this is a Capcom game, not not a Square Enix, you know what Square Enix would have done in this game? <laughs> They'll be saying, "Hey, guess what? You can." Oh wait, didn't they already do uh, the NFTs a... for for Resident Evil at at one point? No, not for Resident Evil. Silent Hill did them. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, but you know, like it, it, like I said, if it's if it's something you want to shortcut. To like getting high level weapons in the game, then whatever. But like, I'm not gonna buy it. I can beat the game on my own. Uh, so whatever. It's a silly thing to me. Okay. Uh, as for me, I played a bunch of game, new games. Um, first game I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about it at some length, and that's Meet Your Maker. Um, well, what do you think? So here's the thing. When I first saw it, I thought it was an FPS. I'm gonna say this right now. As a matter of fact, my review on Xbox has over 350 likes. I was one of the first, but also, you know, uh, this is not an FPS. This is a puzzle game. You may have a gun. You can shoot things with it. You may have a sword and you can hit things with it, but this is strictly a puzzle game, an action puzzle game, because essentially what you're doing is you're navigating people's death traps to get at their prize and try and leave that with their prize. And then you build your own death traps so that other people can try and get the prize. And I'm going to tell you, um, I'm not hardcore into it because if I were, I would be spending more, a lot more time invading other people's traps. But I just like building my death traps more. But unfortunately, you have to do some scavenging of your own be- in order to keep them going. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a lot of devious stuff you can do, like hide an incinerator behind a, a cube that vanishes when you get near it and then it just blows you away or spikes on the floor and you can set switches so that your traps, some of your traps don't appear until they've already grabbed it. So now they have to undergo a whole new gauntlet that they may not have been prepared for. And you set up monsters and creatures that can attack the characters as well. And after you complete a, a maze, you actually get to rate them. So people are rating my maps is a, uh, there are four different levels. There's uh, artistic, Ingenious, brutal, and um, artistic genius, brutal, and fun. <laughs> so I've been getting a lot of fun. So, uh, uh, the people who managed to survive my traps say my 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 mazes are fun. 
But on my second one, I got really creative and brutal. So we'll see how they react to that. And already there are some really good looking maps that are popping up. The only unfortunate thing is that um, the, the base is made for you and you can't remove those blocks. You have to work around them. But people uh, have really worked around them. Like the one person made this tower, this spiraling tower that you have to go up and up and up and up and up. So you're like that, uh, like 500 feet in the air before you go inside. That sort of thing. It, it, there's a lot of creative stuff going on in the game. Uh, it's a $30 game. And uh, it's going to rely completely on creator uh, user content. So yeah. Have Have you seen it? Have you watched it played or? I have. I, I've watched it played. Um, it's always intrigued me as like, especially Mario Maker Quake. <laughs> yeah, there are certain limitations, which I, I see why, but they're kind of li- like you must always have a path uh, for your your uh, for the uh, thing that goes and, and mines your own stuff in your own maze. So people always know where there's a path to it. But then again, that's part of it. Um, you can't make it so that like the blocks drop under the main path because then the, uh, your, 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 uh, your retrieval character can't get it. It's because what happens is that it's your mine and you have a creature that's mining the stuff for you. So it always must have a path to go back and forth between it. Um, aside from that limitation, you know, I mean, another person remarked that, yeah, I'm doing, I'm dying in your map, but I'm seeing what you're doing so I can steal your ideas. And I've been stealing some other people's ideas too. Like I, I realize which way the person is facing so that when the, um, when the trap reappears after you grab it, they don't see it. They only hear a click from behind before they're dead. <laughs> it does seem like it's like just built from the ground up for silliness and shenanigans. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it devolves into just, you know, bunch of uh, tons and tons of traps along the way you know not much creativity but on the other hand you have grenades that will usually destroy uh, traps around it you only are allowed to use three so usually that'll take care of that tactic i tend to try and be tricky and use deception so um i've also been playing loop hero which is basically a mobile game that later it was on switch and it's a very relaxing uh you know uh auto what do they call them again auto fighter you know, you don't fight. You you just have the character going around a loop, and you have to decide when they're going to stop. I think uh, for Vampire Survivors, it was called an auto shooter. No, no, this is but this is uh, just like a tower defense in reverse, ah. in which you're you're the character going through a tower defense. Ah. Um, and you level up your stuff. I haven't yet gotten the rogue yet. You need to acquire the uh resources in order to build a, a, a building that'll create a rogue it's very relaxing it's sort of like one of those games where you just chill and just you know equip the items lay back and see if can my guy go through another one without dying because if you die you still get some resources you just lose a big chunk of them but usually you want to quit just before you know that it's going to be too much for your character because you have to keep on adding stuff to it adding a vampire mansion adding harpies nests adding this adding that so the uh, while they're getting equipment that's better and better, it's also harder and harder to get through the uh, the loop without dying. It's yeah. a fun little game. It's it's very it's very mobile gameish, and I'm not surprised it was on Switch first. But on the other hand, I enjoy it when when I just want to chill out, lay back in the bed, and just let my guy go through the loop over and over and over again, deciding when it's good time to have him come out. Yeah, I hear it's also got a really really good soundtrack. 
Does it? I haven't paid attention to it. It it has a nice soundtrack. Yes, it's very. It is a very sixteen six, uh, Commodore sixty four game. So you have an emulation of the Commodore four sixty four's SID chip, which was revolutionary at the time. Uh, I also started playing a little bit of Ghostwire Tokyo. And I wonder how the Japanese feel. What is that noise? Scott, don't do that. I'm not doing anything. Someone's doing something. Anyways, um, playing Ghostwire, I just wonder how the Japanese feel about a game that's basically a, tr- a tourist travelogue about Japanese culture. It's like, I think the Japanese already know this stuff. I think they know about Shibuya Station. I think they know about the cuisine. I think they know about this and that. It's like a Japanese game, all in Japanese, but for Westerners. Hmm. I know you really enjoyed uh, Ghost Warrior Tokyo. Um, I'm starting to enjoy it, too. I think the story and the atmosphere is getting me by. It's enough. Yeah, it's got an excellent atmosphere. Like, it's probably the one of the – it's probably one of my favorite damp worlds <laughs> I've ever seen. Yes, like, it's a very there, there's water. There's water and mist and puddles and and wetness everywhere, and it's well portrayed. Yeah. Like when you look down at the ground when it's in a, I think it's in I think it's in fidelity mode, but it might be in performance mode too. And you see the lights reflecting off of the the skyscrapers and stuff around you. It's just really really beautiful to look at. This is one of these. This is one of those games that's gonna at some point be bundled with a, a really good Nvidia card to show off ray tracing. Yeah, I can believe that. Uh, did you see the NVIDIA um, ra- ray tracing video? I didn't. I did see that they uh, collaborated with uh, CD Projekt Red recently to make a, like, a super-powered yeah. ray tracing mode for Cyberpunk. Yeah, uh, it looks really good. Uh, but the problem is that – oh, yeah, we're actually going to discuss that. Uh, we might as well discuss it now. Uh, CD Punk uh, 2077's ray tracing overdrive mode goes live for PC – uh, it's for uh, overdrive mode uh, enabled NVIDIA cards for like the RTX 40 from the 470 Ti and up as well as for the 3090. Uh, but the 3090 will be limited to 1080p and 30 frames per second. I also saw people mocking Redfall because it was going to launch locked at 30 frames per second. And my attitude is so fucking what? A, they said they were going to do the 60 frames per second later, so that's really important to you. Just wait. It's on Game Pass. And two, I've never really cared about friggin' frame rate. It's not a deal breaker for me. If if frame rate is a deal breaker for you, and by that I mean 30 and up, I mean yeah, if a game is chugging along at 3 or 4 or 5 frames and it's unplayable, that's fine. Then I can understand, you know. But if it's playable at 30 frames per second, who cares? Yeah. I mean, it sounds incredible. Like the the stuff that they're talking about, it sounds like uh, they they've talked about it like it's basically the foundation for what they're going to be building a lot. Of, they're going to be building for a lot of future ray tracing technology. Yeah. And, and by the way, they've they've been showing off the character videos for Redfall, and it's getting me more excited for the game. Yes, Redfall looks really, you know. People got all upset about like the gear and the gear score and like the the live service elements, but but it's a but it's a team based looter shooter. That's I can understand it's being mad about it with a game like a Marvel Avengers. I don't understand the grumpiness about it for Redfall because Redfall always looked like a Borderlands like game from the get go. Well, you know, I mean, 
it's going to be free anyway, so you can always try it. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I mean, on Xbox, on Game Pass, um, it's going to be on Steam and Epic, too. And by the way, I noticed that um, the GameSpot versions of the trailer, all trailers except for the Xbox version of the trailer, all have the Epic Games logo in front instead of the Microsoft logo, which is interesting. It's going to be on Steam at the same time. I just found it interesting. Um I've also started playing Everspace 2 now that it's off early access. And now it's sort of like, remember this? Because I think people forgot about Everspace 2. Hmm. And it's I, and, and I found I did not want to play it with a gamepad. I immediately went to keyboard and mouse because what I discovered is basically it's not a flight sim. It's a first-person shooter in outer space. That is, and it happens to act like it was like it's like Descent. Yeah. Does anybody remember the old game Descent? It's like a, a free-floating first-person shooter, not a space sim. I really can, enjoyed my time with it in early access, and I need to get back to it now that it's 1.0. Yeah, I stopped playing because I saw all the features that hadn't been added yet. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to stop now. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I think when I played it, they had just started implementing parts of the, the main campaign. So I actually got to play a few chapters of that, or at mm-hmm. least the first and second. I did. I did, too. But uh, when I saw... Well, this is what we're going to include later in this. I said, yeah, I want to do that stuff. So I'm just going <laughs> to stop now and just play it when it's actually released. I love the weapons in that game. The amount of stuff that you can do to your ship to make it like truly your ship is yeah, pretty it's, awesome. It's a space looter shooter. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, I've also uh, gotten uh, Attack on Titan 2 because I heard good things about it. And I will play that when I get a chance. I played the demo. I enjoyed the demo. So I'm going to play the full game now. And for those who don't know, Attack on Titan 2 is a game in which you fling yourself at these giant creatures and slice off their arms and their legs. And they fall down and they have to, you know, they continue to try and walk or move without use of them until you finally give them a coup de gras. And all these giant naked men just make me nervous for some reason because they have that weird face on them. Have you played Attack on Titan 2? I have not. Oh, you should try it. It's a blast. It is an absolute blast. It, it shouldn't be that expensive now. I think it's like two or three years old now. That and, was, a, was, that in a, was that the one done by Omega Force and uh, Koei Tecmo? I think so. I, I think it's done by the same people who did Earth Defense Force. Um, oh, okay. And here's the thing. You actually create an original character who's set in the actual Attack on Titan 2 story. So, so you're like this new character from out of nowhere <laughs> interacting with the main characters from the uh, from the anime. <laughs> so I haven't watched the anime. All I know is that, yes, they're, re- they pre- they're replaying the story of Attack on Titan 2, except you're the new character who's in this mess. Yeah. I haven't kept up too much on uh, the Attack on Titan games, but I remember that. I remember Try this one enjoyed the. <sighs> this one, I... this one is this one is weird and fun. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, you get to swing yourself around on grappling hook swords, and slice off giant arms and giant legs, and slice off the heads of baby giant babies. <laughs> so, <laughs> at the very least, Attack on Titans movement system with those uh, with that with that gear that system yeah. has always been really interesting and cool. Anyways, we're going to move on to quick news. We already discussed some of them. Um, Diablo 4's endgame is a lot like Diablo 2's, which is a good thing. I always enjoyed. You know, Diablo, we already talked about this. Diablo has the perfect loot grind. And from what I understand, the loot grind is perfect in Diablo. From those who've been playing it, 
And um, I know they, they had to increase the loot grind just for the purpose of the beta, but it's very satisfying. And then you get to keep on going through, you know, you go from normal mode to hard mode to nightmare mode, as you did with Diablo 2. It, it's already getting rave reviews and it hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, I uh, I played some of the beta and it was really fun. Like I was really I really enjoyed just like for a game that like is one of those games where you constantly shed old equipment and get new things. I never felt bad about shedding old equipment. It yeah, the stuff that you get in that game is fun and exciting. Like when you see something, when you manage to get something that adds like a plus one to an ability you've been using, it's like yeah. yes. Oh, here's the thing. You know what? Or when you have an item that you ha- you know you can use, but it needs to be identified, and you're saying, please be good, please be good, please be good, please be good, when you bring it, or you use the identify scroll on it. It's like, please, I want this. Yes, okay, plus two to, uh, to chain lightning. <laughs> yeah, I love that stuff. Here's the thing, you know, that's something that other games have yet to really understand. It isn't the numbers that do it, like... You know, oh, plus three to damage, or your damage is 0.56 better. No, 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 no. It's when when items augment your already existing abilities or abilities you've yet to have, because there's always a chance when you buy, you say, oh, I can't use this, but I'm gonna save this because I know I'm gonna want to use it. That's where it comes in. That that's the perfect loot grind. And then you have the unique and the legendary items too. Yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, Diablo 2 is what made uh, World of Warcraft. World of mm-hmm. Warcraft is basically Diablo 2, except Warcraft instead of Diablo. Uh, moving on. Oh, you want to say something? I was just going to say, yeah, like if I've been really hard on Activision Blizzard for a while. And, and if this game wasn't any good, I would probably just write it off and move on. But it looks yeah. like they're on the right path. With this the reason game. why it exists is because people were so upset about the uh, mobile game. And I feel like this is the first time Activision Blizzard has felt like they've been on the right path for with a game for quite some time. Even like, World of Warcraft has been having problems. I hear the Dragonflight expansion was pretty fun, but that's like the one exception I can think of. Overwatch 2 sucks, and they keep, like, every time they put out a patch, it seems like they break something irredeemably and have to put out a, another patch to fix the patch they just put out. Yeah. And, uh, and here's like the thing. The, and the remakes they did of like World of Warcraft three and Diablo two were just like. Oh no, the I, I enjoy the Diablo two remaster. Um, yeah, but you have to. You're admit just it, salty it about it because it was a really Vicar- rough state. Not for me. I know you're, but you're just salty because Vicarious Visions worked worked on, it, and you'd rather be people working on Tony Hawk. Uh, that's part of why I don't like it, but <laughs> it also it also launched in a pretty cruddy state when it started. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see the fate of Battle.net. You're going to have to ditch that thing soon and just replace it with Microsoft uh, Windows Live, which is fine with me. Uh, Microsoft Inc.'s 10-year deal to bring Activision to a UK mobile phone network. Uh, Microsoft and the EE are expanding their partnership to a 10-year commitment in cloud gaming to bring PC games built by Activision uh, Blizzard and Xbox to EE customers. They're just giving Call of Duty to everybody and thumbing their nose at Sony at this point, aren't they? It's so weird the the <laughs> groups that they're going that they're reaching out for to pin these deals with. Like, like I don't know. Like, are, are we going to see Microsoft pen a deal with Mint Mobile to bring Call of Duty to uh, you're Ryan go, you're, Reynolds' cell you're phone? Gonna, 
you're going to have to blame Epic for this because remember, all of this is because Fortnite is so popular on cell phones. Face it, if Fortnite didn't work on cell phones, this would never happen. Yeah, that's probably true. It's just, it's so, it's so, every, like the, the recent deals that Microsoft has been pinning has been, have been with like the most obscure, never heard of them companies I, I've seen. But it is, it is, um, you know, it is saturating. They're, they're getting, you know, they want to, they want to have an ecosystem and gosh darn it, they're making a big ecosystem. Which is what Sony should be doing, to be honest. I mean, they're probably salty that, you know, they just can't do it on Apple, the thumbnail knows at Microsoft, or on or their marriage with Linux until all the PS3s got so, hacked. Sony, Sony's hacked. ecosystem has just been strange to me because it, it used to be, you know, having a large variety of different games, and now they just seem to care only about Call of Duty. Yeah, I mean, there's one person who was bragging, well, we have, uh, I, you know, I can play God of War, I can play... I can play The Last of Us, etc., etc., et on, on on PlayStation. And my response is, well, apparently Sony thinks they suck because because they're gonna fail if they don't have Call of Duty. <laughs> Sony must really think badly of God of War and Last of Us and Ratchet and Clank and every other property, because if they don't have Call of Duty, that's it. The PlayStation is over. Uh, getting back to Resident Evil 4, uh, the actress Lily Gao has been striking back at harassers. Uh, she says, not the first time an actor of color faces racist and sexist harassment simply for participating uh, because she played Ada Wong. Um, and the thing is that I wonder if fans remember that Ada Wong was kind of wooden in the original one too. Yeah. Like I don't, <laughs> I, I don't understand this, this critique because like having played through the game multiple times and like, I'm not like, over the moon with Ada's performance, but it feels normal. Like, what do people expect out of her? You actually expect uh, uh, saneness from racists? No, I don't. Of course, they get not. triggered by the weirdest shit. I mean, they're angry at the. T- uh, they the, were, the, the, they were upset over beer right now. Currently, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Uh, the Sorcerer's video for Diablo 4 was released, and some of the comments were, oh, of course, they have to have a woman, and in, in, uh, they have to include a woman. Assholes! The Sorceress was in Diablo 2 and 3, too! Microsoft and Activision didn't invent her for uh, in Diablo 4? She's been there the entire time. Where have you been? I'll tell you, if you've never played Diablo, you're just going to complain about having a woman as, as a character you can play. The only thing I never see this at is for fighting games. But then again, if they're not sexy enough, then they complain. That's when they complain. Oops, That's when they complain when when the the girls who are fighting aren't sexy enough. Didn't they have yeah. this this uh thing about uh in Street Fighter Five where oh god you know the character I'm talking about she she was more modestly dressed and they got they had a shit fit about that. Um, not was it Chun Li or someone else? I don't remember. I know it was one of the female characters. She was more modestly. They, they changed her to be more modestly dressed, and they had a shit fit over at it. Anyways, let's let's get back to news I know that you're excited about. Uh, Tekken 8 will be the first game in the series to feature crossplay. Harada has confirmed the crossplay will indeed be a part of Tekken 8 at launch, allowing people to play each other on Xbox, PC, and PlayStation. This is a this is every bit of news that they're launching about Tekken 8 is so delightful. Exciting, <laughs> they are doing so many good things with this game. 
I uh, I love the look of it. I had a chance to play it, and uh, when I went to, uh, I I actually had a chance to go to Bandai Namco's headquarters in in North America, and give it a go, and uh, it plays like incredibly well for an early edition. And uh, and then we have stuff like this uh, crossplay. The game is going to be launching simultaneously on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. And uh, this is going to be one of the ways that no one's ever going to complain about a PC using keyboard and mouse because no one on the PC and mouse is ever going to be using a keyboard to play that fucking game. <laughs> yeah. And just like the amount of new things that they're trying is exciting. I like the I like the uh, the uh, the heat system that they have in the game. You uh, you basically enter in a powered state depending on what character you're playing. They have different attributes where like they'll have certain moves affected. Like for martial law, the Bruce Lee guy, he has nunchucks in this ver- in this game. And uh, when you're in heat state, he uh, his nunchuck uh, attacks are powered up. Um, and then for King, the the wrestler in the leopard mask, um, he has some moves where like he'll if he does them well in heat state, he'll have super armor and can just take blows while setting up a throw and devastating opponents. I love it. It's so cool. The, uh, of all the new games that are, of all the new fighting games that are coming out, Street Fighter Six was pretty high up there for me. But Tekken Eight might be the most exciting thing on the horizon for me as far as fighting games go. You know what? I'm going to tell you this: uh, most fighting games are extremely good, and there's a reason for that because there's competition. Uh huh. You have to deal with King of Fighters, and you have to deal with Tekken. You have to deal with Street Fighter. You have to deal with with uh blaze blue you have to deal with uh, uh guilty gear and all that shit you have to be on your top of the game or no one is going to play your game no one i mean them's fighting herds is a good game and it's just an indie game yeah <laughs> my little pony fighting game that dodges <laughs> around play around uh copyright <laughs> i mean Skullgirls has been kicking around for years yeah. and people still love the heck out of it but like I said, you have to be tip top and good. Oh, and people have a lot of love for Killer Instinct too. And I keep on getting when is Killer Instinct three? When is Killer Instinct three? When is season four? I think it is. When is that going to come out? You know, because um, Microsoft, I, I think everybody is just waiting for Iron Galaxy to return, and hopefully Microsoft will hire them to do the next season of, of Killer Instinct because people still love the shit out of that game. It has a very loyal fan base, and I can say every single fighting game has an extremely loyal fan base. That's ride or die. Some are larger than others, but you know, you have a Blaze Blue fan. They're gonna be, they're going to be virulently defensive of their game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Blaze Blue. Some of my, like, well, I still have uh, Blaze Blue avatars on some of my accounts on. Some, well, that's on the other Xbox. thing is that's the other thing is that there's a lot of crossover as well. I mean, someone's not gonna say I hate Street Fighter Six if they're really into King of Fighters. No, they'll say I love King of Fighters and I'm gonna tr- play some Street Fighter Six later too. Yeah. And like, I mean, you want to talk about uh, competition affecting everybody. Guilty Gear Strive came out of the gate with a rollback netcode on day one. And everybody else has been has been working (laughs) to make sure that their game has that now. Except except for, you know, who Nintendo, Nintendo and and Super Melee, uh, Super uh, Brothers, uh, Super Smash Brothers. Oh yeah, 
They're probably not going to make another Super Smash Brothers again for a long, 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 long yeah. time. They're just going to add characters to that. <laughs> How many characters were, did they end with? Was it 150? It was something no, around... There's going to be more. Uh, there's going to be more. Oh, it was really? something I thought around they were 96. Done. I mean, with Microsoft and Nintendo being, so, uh, being chummy, you can bet your bottom dollar you might see Master Chief in there sometime. That's true, because you got Steve from Minecraft, so yeah, anything's possible. Or Marcus Phoenix. And I know I mean, if Marcus if Marcus Phoenix and Master Chief were in the same game, people would have a shit fit. Even if it's even if it's just for uh, Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> See who will win. Just have them whack each other. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on. The Xbox and Starfield June showcase is two hours long, claim sources. Uh, Microsoft will be talking about Starfield for 30 minutes, and uh, but leaves 90 minutes for other games. Um, E3 may be dead but we're still going to get a lot of content. I really should mention that there was a state of play that showed off gameplay for Final Fantasy 16 as well. Uh, what did you think of that? I actually didn't watch that. I watched really? the uh, watched the Zelda trailer. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a moment. But mm-hmm. did you watch these Final Fantasy 16 stuff, uh, TJ? Yes, I liked it. Um, so one of the things that, like, really... So, of course, like, this... this Next Final Fantasy is going to be like way more action RPG than any of the other ones have been. Even Final more Fantasy 15. 15, really? Wow. Um, it straight up looks like Devil May Cry in a Final <laughs> Fantasy game. Or uh, actually, one of my buddies was like, "That's that's straight up Bayonetta. They're doing Bayonetta right there." And uh, I can see it. But one of the things that really interested me is uh, I don't know what is going on with the characters. But they seem to have the abilities to absorb summons, like uh, traditional summons that we've seen in the Final Fantasy series, like Ifrit and, uh, and Shiva and Rama and Odin. Because there's a special menu where, like, you you have icon or they call them icons and uh, gear, and uh, every icon that you collect gives you a new skill tree of abilities that you can unlock related to that icon. And I couldn't help but notice when we were watching the gameplay that, uh, <laughs> you, uh, the, the main character had a, uh, had a button on the bottom right corner. That was, uh, Odin's attack that insta kills everything. And most of the final fantasy games. And I'm like, hell yes, you can just like equip that ability. You can just earn that ability and equip it on your character. Like it's a thing you can just do. And it seems to be the case where you can do that with, like, all the summons, where, like, you can equip an ability to use Ifrit's uh, Hellfire Blaze or Rama's Thunderstorm or uh, or Shiva's Diamond Dust. And, yes, we've been able to just do those attacks by summoning the summon in the past, but the ability to imbue that into your character and mix it into a combo, like a sword combo, is kind of dope to me. I think that's really cool. want to bet it's going to be microtransaction. I thought there was going to be uh, the summons were going to fight each other directly. That's another thing, Scott. You can actually like do. It looks like uh, there's going to be like summon battles where like you'll have. One of the things they showed in the game was uh was Phoenix squaring off against uh, this wind beast called Garuda. And uh, I think I saw Ifrit versus uh, Titan or Rama. Uh, and those look like straight up kaiju battles. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Sounds like they're sounds like they're aping uh, uh, Zelda. I mean, the la- last Zelda game, you know, um, 
I mean, not Zelda. I mean, Pokemon game in which you had kaiju fights in the Pokemon game. I think it's I think it's more like Bayonetta three. Oh yeah. Well, that sucked. You didn't like Bayonetta three? I love Bayonetta. I did not like Bayonetta three. Oh. I didn't. That's a shame. I didn't. It was it was made on the cheap and it showed. It, it was made it was made for two dollars. Well, I, 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 I thought they were playing on a. It looks like you're playing on an Xbox 360 game. It looks like an Xbox either, 360 game. Either way, I always thought that the big monster fights in Bayonetta 3 looked fun. And, and to have that in Final Fantasy 16, it looks like they're doing a good job with what they've got here, too. Getting back to Starfield. Getting back to Starfield. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. I want to see more of Starfield. It's coming out. And it if if it's 75% of what I want, it's going to be real-time sync. Oh, yeah, definitely. you got, like, three or four major cities to explore, all these planets. I think, yeah, you said that there's, like, like 100 planets. So here's the thing. They said that the planets are going to be – people were moaning when they said that the planets were uh, procedurally generated. I don't think they understand what what Bethesda meant by that. So you have No Man's Sky, which is completely on the fly, procedurally generated. That's not what Starfield is going to be. Starfield is going to be more like what Mass Effect Andromeda was, in which they had procedural generation to lay the groundwork, and then they just, you know, dressed it up. So it is cura- it's procedurally generated to save time and then curated so that each planet is, uh, is unique. And, you know, I like the fact that, you know, you can – Stick on the main quest and not deal with the other planets at all, or you can take your time, build up your own base, have your own research lab on a different planet, explore, do that sort of stuff. It's it's not going to be like Starfield. I mean, it's not going to be like uh, No Man's Sky in which it's just, yeah, this planet, but it's purple. This planet, but it has this kind of planet. No, it's going to be something completely different. It remi- It's it sort of sort of what I uh, what Star Citizen wants to be. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Like, this is the Star Citizen game, and, yeah, you'll, you'll get to play it in Starfield instead and have this. I mean, that I guess that's what they want. They want you to have this exploration mode where you're going and checking out these planets, and then you can have this story that they're going to do. I don't know anything about the story at all, which is quite impressive, I think, uh, keeping that under wraps. Um, but yeah, There were hints about it in the story trailer. Okay, I, I haven't dug there's, into it. There's some artifact that you find and it, the entire game revolves around that artifact that's all that's that's basically what i understand and that's about it i don't know much else um the problem with star citizen is that they're doing a new tech in which it's completely 100 percent um oh what's it called again um everything stays in place when you leave it there but persistent it's 100 percent persistent which has never been done on a single server MMO. That would probably cause systems to crash if you have too much things. Well, persisting. I mean, it's it's going to be streaming. Uh, you, you don't have to worry about your system dealing. It's their system. But um, one of the problems is that there's a lot of garbage that that, that piles up. Yeah, that's <laughs> so what I mean. They have to they have to find a way to make it look good because what you don't want is thousands of players being litterers. So. Uh, but if you leave your ship there, it's going to be there for everybody to fool around with. So be careful. You might want to you might want to 
make sure that your ship is in a space station where it's nice and secure and not leave it on some planet where people can just break into it and steal your stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't mind that sort of stuff when you realize, yeah, I better be careful. Also, the fact is that Squadron 42 is a thing, and I'll probably be more attracted to that, which is basically the single-player version of Star Citizen. Uh, I can't wait to see what else they're going to do. I hope they show some Fable. I hope they show some State of Decay 3. I hope they show some uh, Perfect Dark. Some stuff that we know they're working on. Can't wait to see what, what's going on with the Indiana Jones game. Yeah, same here. I haven't heard anything uh, for the longest time. You also have uh, Contraband, which I'm looking forward to. It's everything that Payday is supposed to be. Or the uh, heist missions in Grand Theft Auto V are supposed to be. Do you think they might mention Avowed? Possible. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since we heard anything about Avowed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oblivion has been doing a lot of shit lately. I mean, they're still doing the Outer Worlds, too, as well. Yeah. So um, they finally wrapped it up with Grounded. And Grounded is one of those games that's just a quiet live service game that people who are playing it really, really enjoy. And everybody else sort of, oh, that's still going on? Sort of attitude. People are doing some incredible shit in, in Grounded. Which yeah. I know I'll never have the patience for. <laughs> I'm not going to build a mansion out of twigs and leaves. Thank you very much. And by that, I mean a fully functioning mansion. By the way, yeah. uh, Minecraft Minecraft Legends is coming out soon. Um, it's probably not going to be at the thing because it's coming out next week. I'll be curious to see what they do there. Um, I don't know if Scott's going to try it out, but I certainly will. Yeah, I want to try out Minecraft Legends. It looks like a good game and want to see how fun it is. Yeah, it's gotten some B, e, B plus reviews so far, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, and now uh, finally, uh, CD is Cyberpunk 2077 sequel uh, job listing is posted by the developer. Uh, the sequel is reported been given the code name Project Orion will follow the Phantom Liberty expansion of the original game. Uh, if I remember correctly, this is one of those games that's supposed to have a ton of DLC, but it just didn't launch well, so they just had to scrap it. I guess all that DLC will just be pushed to the new game. And I would like some more Night City action, because I, I still say this. Night City is the best uh, open-world city I've ever been in. It's the most alive, feels the most real, feels like the most is actually happening independent of yourself. Like, there's stuff going on that has nothing to do with you. I just wish it was wrapped around a better game. Yeah. I uh, I know that uh, Phantom Liberty is supposed to come out sometime this year if they're staying on track, right? Yeah. Um, they haven't posted any delays as of yet. And I think in June, they said that in June they're going to be showing off a bunch of new news, which is probably also when we'll get a release date for it. So we're going to head right on to game news. Uh, first news item, report. Sony's next PlayStation handheld is called the Q-Lite. Features an 8-inch touchscreen and requires constant internet connectivity. And this comes to us from the FPS review. Uh, Sony, in fact, is developing a new PlayStation handheld that will succeed the Vita, its most recent handheld that was discontinued in 2019. It was discontinued in 2019? I, it feels like that thing was discontinued like in 2013, 2014. You know, like it was, it was dead for a while, I guess. It, took, it was comatose for a while, and then they finally buried it. Um, the new handheld was set to... Uh, have a design inspired by the PS5 and an 8-inch LCD touchscreen, isn't a cloud streaming service and will report to be released before the PS5 Pro, holiday 2024, but after the PS5 with a detachable disk drive. 
I know you're excited about that, TJ. It's huh. attachable disk drive. It's not a cloud streaming device. It uses remote play with the PlayStation 5. Supports adaptive streaming up to 1080p and 60 frames per second. Will require constantly constant connectivity to the internet. Will look like the PlayStation 5 controller. 8-inch LCD. Adaptive transfer. <coughs> haptic feedback. Volume button speakers and all input audio jack. According to Inside Gamer, as previously mentioned by industry insider Jeff Grubb, Sony is planning to announce its second phase of the PS5, which is in reference to its future game slate. Ironically, though, this second phase is very much true for Sony's hardware offerings with the detachable disk drive PlayStation 5, a Project Nomad wireless earphones, Project Voyager, a wireless headset, and Q-Lite handheld, which is uh, due to be released within a very short period. Um, it's funny how Sony made fun of the Xbox One for having constant internet, and now they have it with this thing. And I was talking to Jordan about this, and he said... This is just pointless. Yeah, like, so wait. So the idea is that you have to have a PS5 in order to play this thing? Jordan said, Jordan said, the audience for this is either A, the people who didn't play the old... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, He had a different... Hold on. I'm going to look, look up his responses to this. But... Because the one that stands out to me is he uses remote play with the PS5, meaning you have to have a PS5 on Okay, hand. here's what Jordan says. Always online and remote play only, no actual games. So just like my Steam Deck, but just not as good. <laughs> I mean, not like a Steam Deck, though, because you can load yeah. games onto the actual Steam Deck. If you can't load games onto this thing, then, like... What's the point? I, I, yeah. It, it, here it is. Uh, if If... if I, I said I have Game Pass Ultimate, so I stream my games to my cell phone. And he said that. And Jordan replied, "That'll that's what will kill this device. Nobody's going to buy a PS5 exclusive streamer. They'll just use remote pl- uh, play on the devices they already have. So basically, right. what this is is basically a uh, your PlayStation 5 controller, except it does remote play and does a few other bells and whistles like allow you to stick in headshot." You could also just take your PS5 controller with you with your cell phone and then play it on it because it has Bluetooth. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're probably looking at the Nintendo Switch and saying, we want to do that, too. There's one redeeming bit of content here. And that's that uh, and that's that Sony is coming is uh, getting some new wireless earphones ready, because that is something I will give Sony is that their headsets are very good. I. Uh, I like their audio headsets for the PS5 for the PlayStation consoles. I've always enjoyed the uh, the gold headset. I've always enjoyed the platinum headset and the PS4. I uh, I'm, I'm I need a new headset for my console. <laughs> so uh, that's that's the one thing I'm gonna say yay about. The rest of this looks stupid. <laughs> Want to bet that the, those things are gonna be announced at uh, Sony's E3? Yeah, no Pretty doubt. Yeah, because um. Like I said, the PlayStation 5 Pro is coming in 2024, which means the midpoint will be, you know, winter of 2023, and they want to have people something to buy. So with holiday 2023, have the earfo- earphones and the wireless headset and the Q-Light. I really hope that it, for the next uh, generation of wireless earphones they do for the PS5, I hope they do them in the colors they've been doing for the controllers, because I like that Galaxy Purple, and I would like to have a headset in that color. I just bought an electric green uh, Xbox uh, uh, XSX uh, controller because on my red controller, the uh, left uh, trigger is starting to stick a bit. 
you know, it's it, you can still use it, but it's like when it's returning to its normal state, it's like sticking a bit. So that sort of like warned me, yeah, you better get a new controller soon. Yeah, I don't think I don't think PlayStation understands the market that they're trying to go for with that handheld, though. That seems like a here's the thing. Like, that seems pretty useless. I think there is one audience. Is that um, their PS5 controller is almost shot and they're going to get a new PS5 controller and they decide, you know what? I might as well get this. It's a PS5 controller, but with a big screen, I'll try it out. It'll be my replacement controller. Hmm. That's probably what 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 it's going to sell it. The fact that it's a new it's a new PS5 controller with all the haptic you want. I guess we haven't seen it yet, and it doesn't look like they. And I mean, they they're seemingly well, far from announcing it. So they said it's going to look like a PS5 controller, except with a big big screen. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, I'll take the next items, uh, TJ. All right. Portal writer Eric Wopa still wants to make uh, Portal 3 from PC Gamer. While the desire for a third Portal game might not be quite as powerful as the hunger for Half-Life 3 or perhaps even Episode 3, the mind-bending puzzle series continues to have plenty of fans eager to see it continue, including Portal writer Eric Wopa. Unfortunately, the likelihood of another sequel remains very hard to gauge. Wolpa has advocated for Portal 3 before, hoping to inspire action in the company, to which he returned as a part-time contractor back in 2019 after his stint at Double Fine. You know, I just realized, okay, now I get the humor of Portal 2. It is the kind of humor that you'd see in Double Fine. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) In December, he even revealed that he had a starting point for Portal 3, but that this didn't mean Valve had committed to developing it. Four months on, it seems that not much has changed. In an interview with Simon Parker on, on the My Perfect Console podcast, Wolpaw explained the difficulties in getting the sequel off the ground. Quote, In a flat structure like Valve, there's an opportunity cost to doing anything. Whatever is going on at Valve right now requires the dedication and participation of the people working on it, and it's voluntary. Yeah, so let's stop right there. Basically what he's saying is that Valve won't allocate any resources to any games – that its employees may be making. If you want to make a game, fine. Do it yourself on your own time. Leave us alone until it's ready, and then we'll profit the shit off your game. That's probably how Half-Life Alice got made. Some guys were fooling around with the VR, with the uh, Steam VR, and decided to make a, a Half-Life game. They finished three quarters of it and showed it to Valve and said, "Okay, sure, finish it yourselves, and we'll sell it." Yeah, like Valve is pouring all their money into Steam, Dota 2, and CS:GO. That is that is where the money oh, goes. CSGO is basically now a live service game at this point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I realized I haven't played uh, um, Team Fortress 2. I'm going to see how long is it since I played Team Fortress 2? Because I could I could tell you it's probably like 2013, 2014, maybe even 2011. Go to my library. Let's see Team Fortress 2 here. And that's what I love is that they show you the last time you played a game. I actually paid for it, so I actually get special benefits if I actually want to play it. Um, all it says is I played it for 55 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I still have 27 achievements out of 520, but still. I haven't played it in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, Wolpaw would go on to defend his employer as well. Valve is not a giant company. I think people sometimes think it is because of the outsized influence of Steam, but it's really not that many people. It takes manpower to keep Dota going. It takes manpower to keep CSGO going. 
and the freeform nature of Valve means that there are a lot of experiments that simply fail. So things are happening. If you were inside Valve, you would think that stuff was always going on, because it is. And Valve has clearly been busy lately with the launch of the Steam Deck and the development of Counter-Strike 2. Yeah, they can do Counter-Strike 2 because of the live fucking service. Yeah, I mean, like, that is, that is, like, one of the, probably the most important thing going on at Valve right now is getting that ready. I'm not surprised to hear this, and yet it still depresses me. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. We know what Jordan would say at this point. Valve doesn't know how to count to three. (laughs) More like they don't want to know how. (laughs) Half-Life 3? There's no Team Fortress 3? There's no Portal 3? I, I think at this point, I don't know, it would have to be someone who had, like, a lot of passion for that kind of thing. And I, like they said, doing it on their own. And that's just monumental. So Maybe I blackmail, blackmail Gabe Newell or yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they they outsourced a lot of um, the Half-Life spinoffs like Half-Life Opposing Force was one of uh, Gearbox's first games. Oh, no. Yeah, it was one of Gearbox's first games. And then they had and then Gearbox went and did the PC version of Halo. I will say that whenever I see Gabe Newell talk about anything right now, he seems far more interested in developing technology than creating games. Oh, yes. The Steam like, Deck. Right. Not just the Steam Deck, though, like the focus on like VR and the diff- with the Steam Deck, he actually wanted to create a, a marketplace of competitors that would try to build competing PC handhelds. And like and with the and with Half-Life Alex, like they, they poured a ton of effort into developing like have you ever seen the physics technology for like water and liquids in that game? It's incredible how much uh, effort they poured into like light refraction proper proper and viscosity yet, and yet their lunch was eaten by unreal engine 5 so i don't know i th- i still think that source 2 is an incredible thing and and we're going to see a lot of cool stuff come out of it yeah but not from valve sure remember the last time that valve sor- outsourced the source engine and that was for vampire the masquerade bloodlines and Valve just completely fucked over Troika. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think that like I think that Scott's kind of right on this one because I I think that you would need somebody that just had the capital to invest in in making that passion project a re- reality. And. Uh, it sounds like if they don't have that, then they don't have that. And it doesn't sound like Eric Walpaw currently has that capital to make that a reality. Funny. You know, a similar sort of thing happened with Grounded. I mean, Grounded was just a small project that was being done by uh, Obsidian. And so was Pentiment. But that was a single – that was a, one one guy did Pentiment. <laughs> but, uh, Obs- uh, but Grounded was like a small game that just blossomed under Obsidian because they encouraged it. They said, oh, yeah, we like it. Let's put some more resources into that. You're never going to hear Valve say, let's put some more resources into that unless the resources come out of it. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. And um, Gamers Lawsuit returns for another swing at Microsoft Action Sale from Destructoid. The so-called Gamers Lawsuit was initially filed in December 2022, but it was dismissed by a judge last month. The suit put together by 10 members of the public hailing from New Jersey and New Mexico. I, I, I have a visual idea of what those guys look like already. Don't you? 
Not really. I mean, I have no idea what I they just, look like. Just I, if you ever if you ever go to a, a game club, it's like. Uh, but it, there's certain, certain interesting parts of this. Uh, the Corley dismissed the suit, saying the complaint does not plausibly allege the merger creates a, pro- a reasonable probability of any competitive efforts from any relevant market. Unfortunately, Corley did make a mistake of telling them that they could try again if they had new information. And thus, <laughs> they refiled it with a 73-page document, which reminds me of the 170-whatever-page document that by Trump and company that was full of shit, too. Um, and this is the part I love. It claims to include new information pulled from, quote-unquote, redacted documents given to Microsoft's board directors, as well as new information, which the suit claims has come directly from Sony. Uh, huh. let, me, let me repeat that. New information that has come directly from Sony. This is... Bill, are you that fucking desperate? Why is there not, like... This seems like the kind of thing that slap should be enacted on. It seems frivolous, to say the least. It is very... Like, where are anti-slap laws on this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Microsoft responded saying it's unsupported, implausible claims. About the, if if this was costing Microsoft any me, reason, meaningful money in lawyers, they probably would. Lawyer, Microsoft lawyers in the bonus of a party had waited 11 months after the transaction was announced to file their lawsuit, then wasted several months filing an implausible complaint. It's just stupid. But I just wanted to laugh at them one last time. <laughs> I mean, I definitely do have an idea of somebody that would call anything the gamer's lawsuit. And uh, William Shatner would just tell him to get a life. Or, you like, know, like I understand. I just find man. it funny. They games, got... are, games are important. We all have passions. We love our hobbies, but I don't know. <laughs> this isn't worth the time, the effort that they're putting into. I mean, these games are all going to get made. The apparent and, have plenty of time. <laughs> a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. Anyway, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net because we're just going to get out of this stupid article along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback, so leave us comments on our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, hit us up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to an iTunes and leave us iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. If I be at Johnny Chugs, you can find me at Shard of More. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. Okay. See you later. Bye.